Hello and welcome to Opod. Today we'll be discussing women's mental health and we are joined by Dr. Kate Adlington. Thank you for speaking with us today about women's mental health, specifically women's perinatal mental health. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you very much for asking me, first of all. Um, so I'm, uh, as you said, I'm Dr. Kate Adlington. I, I'm a doctor um, in, and I'm training in general adult psychiatry. And my particular area of interest is uh, mental health in what the perinatal period. So basically that's um, pregnant women and uh, the first year after giving birth. So um, mental health during that time. So um, I work in that area in East London. And I also do a bit of research in that as well. We have a couple of questions on cards, so don't get distracted by them. Um, they're pretty brief, so feel free to add as you go. Um, they're not a script on this. No uh, first question is, what are some lifestyle choices that you recommend for a healthy pregnancy? And is an unhealthy pregnancy linked to poor mental health? Cool. So really good question to start off with. And I think it's really important to say that it's never too early to start thinking about healthy choices. Um, so before you're even considering pregnancy, you know, obviously it's good to think about um, making healthy lifestyle choices. But one of the things we definitely say is if you are planning a pregnancy, that's a good time to start looking at your lifestyle, looking at some certain factors, partly because um, that can both increase your chance of getting pregnant in the first place, but can also kind of ensure that you have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So some of the key things that kind of we recommend thinking about is trying to if you smoke trying to certainly cut down and hope to eventually stop and we know that's that's really difficult um so getting some support with that early before you're before you are pregnant is probably a really good idea also things like drinking alcohol uh, again the advice when you're pregnant is to not drink so again trying to think about that early and um, cutting down i think just generally kind of things that we think about throughout your life you know getting regular exercise kind of um doing you know doing things in your life that keep you kind of happy and active are really important and doing that early is um you know before you're pregnant making those changing changes early is 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 important i think another thing that is recommended before you get pregnant is thinking about your diet and certain supplements so taking folate supplements so folic acid su supplements um, is something you can get over the counter um, and usually it's sort of three months before you're pregnant is ideal um, but just to say obviously uh, you know lots of pregnancies aren't planned and that's yeah, I was gonna uh, yeah. say the exact same thing I was like, well, yeah. if you didn't obviously want Completely. to get pregnant and then it happens and you're like okay yeah. I didn't have that three months to prepare myself totally and I think actually like I think it's nearly half pregnancies aren't fully planned so um uh just again it's it's never it's sort of no, never too early to make healthy choices but it's never too late either so once you know you're pregnant again it's it's thinking about those things so if you're smoking trying to stop um drinking trying to cut that out and the good thing is that is support with things like that so seeing your GP uh, and there are local services that are really targeted at pregnant women to help with uh, things like that also going to a local pharmacist and asking them kind of what supplements there are kind of what what's the best kind of uh, as I said folic acid supplement um, and you know there's lots of stuff online as well that can give you advice so whilst we say kind of see your GP that's a that's a good kind of uh, uh, point we know sometimes it is quite difficult to get an appointment so mm. um looking online nhs website has got loads of good advice about kind of lifestyle choices um uh as i said supplements you know support groups things like that 
one of the things I did want to mention, because obviously mental health is my thing, mm-hmm. is one of the really important things is if you have existing um, difficulties with your mental health, and particularly say if you're taking medication, that's one of the big questions that comes up is, if I'm pregnant, should I stop taking medications? And that's true for mental health or other physical health problems. Um, so that's why it's a good idea to kind of check in before you get pregnant, because you can get uh-huh. some advice about things like that. What things can you do to kind of optimize your mental health your physical health before you get pregnant but also really importantly some advice around medication so that because often you don't need to stop your medication but sometimes people once they get pregnant they suddenly worry and they might suddenly stop them and actually that might be the worst thing to do so um it's good to get some advice around that yeah yeah it's good that google exists (laughs) because i tend to use google for almost everything yeah and the nhs website is really useful when it comes to medical issues yeah Yes, it's not always easy to get in contact with your GP or go to the doctor. No, I was going to say about that. And I know people can kind of complain about Dr. Google and you can kind mm. of go down like rabbit, rabbit holes and it can be scary. Say. So that's why <laughs> it's really bit. good to try and stick to kind of like accepted websites. So usually there is the NHS one, but they usually do also signpost to other kind of accepted. Like there are loads of really good charity websites as well that give advice. So um, uh, I'm thinking Tommy's is a good website that gives advice about planning for pregnancy. Do you know if there are like, sorry, any like apps or something? Because obviously people, a lot of people on their phones nowadays and there's yeah. a lot of communities. Yeah. Do you know any like maybe? I do know there's an NHS app. That's it. Um, yeah, okay, yeah that, and, and from there they some, they do signpost. There are kind of um, pregnancy kind of uh, planet, well, pregnancy planning apps uh, and ones that you can use. There are lots of ones that people use during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like sometimes they're paid ones some you can get free i probably wouldn't recommend any in particular but not that not to use but there's none that i would say are better than any of the others but um they are useful um so yeah definitely so the next question is what are some of the medical health issues that affect women in pregnancy during the first year and how are they treated yeah kind of mental health complications are probably one of the most are actually one of the most common complications of pregnancy which i think lots of people aren't aware of um and i think if we think about it um that some people might find that surprising mm. because i don't know in society i think there's this sense that kind of pregnancy and becoming a new mom it's meant to be like the happiest really time yeah, yeah it's like why isn't everyone jumping for joy it's the best time but i think the reality is actually both pregnancy and, be- and becoming a new parent in general is really hard actually and can be really hard. So, well, mm-hmm. Some people have great pregnancies and it's all you know perfectly fine and that's brilliant. But actually being pregnant, you can feel really rubbish, you know, especially the first trimester, sickness, you know, tiredness can bring up lots of emotional stuff for people kind of thinking about becoming a parent themselves, particularly if maybe they've had difficult experience of parenting themselves once baby's here you know no sleep you know struggles to feed do you breastfeed do you not what do you do the mum guilt you know which you know is is really present so there's loads of challenges and so it's sort of no wonder that actually people can struggle both emotionally but also to the point that they actually develop kind of mental health problems and depression is um so we talk about perinatal depression so we talk that's kind of depression people can develop it in pregnancy about one in six women or after birth is kind of more common so and we're not really sure why there are lots of sorry include like postpartum exactly so that's exactly it so about one about 20 percent of women um who give birth will go will experience depression kind of especially in that first three months 
we don't know why um there are kind of lots of theories is it hormones could it just be like the social you know the social changes Mm. we're not sure but it is it's it's common um and it's different to so people you also hear people talking about baby blues Mm. so that's like in the first maybe few days three four days it's actually even about 50 percent of women suddenly feel you know very tearful very low very kind of overwhelmed i think i actually saw that on tiktok there was a trend and there was like these women all posting their baby blues and like crying over their babies and i was like what's going on yeah (laughs) so it is it's it's really common and actually again it's a recognized thing but the way that's different from depression is it usually lifts quite quickly so it's like a day or two and then you know you, you start to feel yourself again whereas depression is sort of low mood really low energy just not getting any enjoyment out of things it's sort of the difference with also the postpartum this new is is often there are kind of feelings towards you know you feel very guilty towards baby you know you feel very sad about you know and it can it can be related to things to baby as well but it sort of persists so it goes on for at least two weeks maybe longer um and you know and so it is common um and it it, but i think the problem is that because there's this expectation about um you know it being a really happy time everyone should be jumping for joy there's a lot of stigma around it so i think a lot of women don't feel the talk pressure. yeah they feel the pressure they don't talk about it they just sort of put on a brave face and they they don't get themselves help and i think that's why it's really important for us to talk about it and for people to talk about it because it is common and it's okay to feel, you know it's it's okay to feel like that but mm-hmm. it's also okay to reach out for support um just to say as well there are other mental health kind of problems that can pop up at that time as well so anxiety is another one um actually there's something called perinatal ocd so there's around kind of the time of giving birth and having new babies some women do actually develop ocd for the first time i don't know if you've oh is that similar to nesting or is it separate it's slightly different so it's obsessive compulsive disorder Mm -hmm. so it's where people people will maybe start to obsess about certain things so have very intrusive thoughts about things like maybe baby's cleanliness so they'll get really worried that maybe baby's getting kind of dirty or Mm. or the health baby and they'll get these really intrusive thoughts and then they'll do things to try and kind of make themselves feel better so clean baby a lot or like keep cleaning the house to make sure there's nothing that's going to infect baby and it just becomes a really you know really stressful for them and really kind of um intrusive and upsetting so that's much more that's more rare but it's just to kind of say that things like that can happen. crop up it's just yeah. you know this is a really important time when because of all the changes that happen and we're not sure why these mental health problems can can happen so it's really important to talk about it because there is treatment there is treatment out there um and, pe- and women can get help on the topic of some mothers having OCD with a new baby I completely understand that because babies are born with no immune system so you definitely want to keep everything clean and Mm. some parents might overdo it and get really stressed about Mm. that so I can understand where that anxiety may come from yeah yeah and I think that's one of the things that's um is important kind of because I think people worry about seeing uh kind of they worry about seeing doctors but they definitely worry about seeing mental health professionals because they worry that you know thing is this normal is it not is it gonna mm-hmm. and actually part of our job sometimes is to say do you know what this this is with you know that those are valid concerns that is valid worried you know and actually you're you know you're okay there is support you don't you know this this isn't you know a mental health disorder but sometimes those worries do get kind of 
overblown and they mm. do get carried away and they do get and they start to affect your life yeah. so and you do need you know women need or people need support with them so that's you know part of it. sometimes it's just reassurance that people need and just to say actually you're doing really well and mm. that's a valid concern and but sometimes it's say actually it seems like this has got when it's affecting now. your life exactly yeah. yeah and it's gone exactly it's stopping you from going out or mm. you know you're cleaning your house for hours and hours every day and and you you don't want to be so and and but luckily there is treatment and help so yeah related to that we wanted to ask when do you when you don't have a good support network sorry mm. parenting especially is especially hard what support is available in the first year for parents yeah so i think that's one of the really key things is kind of um you know, one of the things that can help with your mental health and kind of help even the transition to parenting is having having social support and a lack of social support is associated with kind of developing mental health conditions. So, um, and I think that's one of the things actually preparing early in pregnancy, being aware that actually it can be tough, you're gonna need people around you. And, you know, not everyone has a partner, not everyone has family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are other ways you can get, you know, support. Um, and it's both emotional support. So it's kind of having who we can just vent to and talk to, but also practical support. Like you sometimes want to nip out to the shop and there's someone there to look after baby, you know, just for an hour a day or an hour mm-hmm. a week, you know. So I think, you know, thinking about what the source of support are, I think kind of from a kind of, I guess, uh, medical perspective you know we think about you know the support you have early in the early days midwives are really important so in those early days you usually see a midwife every kind of in the first day or week or two you'll see them and they will be have a really good sort of font of knowledge for local services and local kind of support groups or classes or children's um centers feeding support um that they can give to you and then that you can then use kind of going forward so they're kind of yeah sorry i wanted to yeah. ask so how early in your pregnancy or like for how far long do you can you get a midwife yeah like in the process with it like so it, it it varies a little bit but you but kind of standardly um your first appointment with a midwife is your booking appointment so that's when you're usually about uh kind of about eight to 10 weeks before 12 weeks usually if you know you're pregnant at that stage you either contact your GP or lots of kind of hospitals maternity services you can actually just refer yourself so as soon as you've done pregnancy tests you can Mm -hmm. contact them and say I'm pregnant and they'll offer you an appointment with a midwife and from that point there's sort of a really kind of a schedule of midwife appointments throughout your pregnancy it depends a little bit whether it's your first or second but there's that then you have your first scan at 12 weeks then you might have another appointment at 16 weeks and so on and so that's really good because at each of those the midwife there's kind of lots of physical health stuff around your pregnancy but they also kind of check in with you around kind of how you're preparing you know how you're doing um and there is like emotional you know checking in but also they start to introduce kind of ideas about kind of what's happening locally for you once you've got baby, kind of what services there are, what support's available. And they also, I think this is kind of from my perspective, they're they're like often the first sort of port of call around your mental health. So if people are struggling with that, women are struggling with that in pregnancy, they're the ones who usually ask about it in those appointments. It's not always the same midwife. It depends kind of on the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes you are seeing a different person each time. And there are different thoughts on that. Some women kind of like the idea of seeing the same person, but mm. sometimes it's just not 
possible. Um, and then after you've given birth, there's another schedule. So you usually see a midwife um, like on day, you see them in hospital, if it, you give birth in hospital or if it's at home, like day one, and I think it's like day three, day five. So they're, they're quite intensively involved in those first kind of week or two, which again is really good because that's, you know, if things are starting, if women are starting to struggle at that point, mm -hmm. they can kind of check in and, and, and refer you on, both just for general support in the community, but also kind of for more specific mental health support. But the other person I was gonna say, people who are really good for that as well, is, is the health visitor. So all women see a health visitor. They come to see you in the first couple of weeks at home okay. uh, after you've given birth. And again, their job is definitely like the, the kind of contact point with your community for kind of like community support so they'll check in with you check in with baby they weigh baby they check in with how feeding's going things like that but they also have really good resources around who can you see in the community if you're struggling with feeding or where what are the local support groups say if you're a single mom um you know are there any spe special support groups specifically for that or um you know where can you go and get baby weighed things like that so it's kind of you don't just feel left like yeah um with all the changes that come with pregnancy um what advice do you give to parents to help them to adjust to the first year mm. um one of the big ones is what i've said just before about is yeah. it's not you know it can be really hard and don't worry if it is because that's normal and don't you know the most important thing is if you are finding it hard is that you feel able to talk about it and tell people so that's really important and reach out kind of find your network find people who are, gonna, who are there to support you um you know look out for local mums groups or um you know kind of social groups that you can get involved with because those you kind of it's almost like find your tribe because it is a massive change you know people mm. they lose they sometimes get a bit disconnected mm. from from their old networks you know you stop working um you know, you, which is a big thing, both in terms of identity, but also kind of losing that financial, you know, support. Um, again, particularly if you're a single parent, but even in, if you have a partner, you know, as a woman, if you stop working, that can feel, you know, make, make you feel quite vulnerable. So just having that support group is really important, I think. Um, and things like social media actually are really, so go on Instagram and just look to see if there are any kind of local, um, just kind of, local mums who are kind of chatting about what's going on. I, I live in Walthamstow, I live in Walthamstow actually, and mm -hmm. there's uh, an Instagram account called E17Baby, which oh. I would never have followed before I had a baby. <laughs> I had one, and actually it's really useful because she kind of posts about loads of different stuff that's going on in the community, kind of ways to, ways to check in. Um, you know, groups, health, you know, things related to your health, but also things related to social. So for me, I think that's really important. I would say that because my, I, kind of my area of interest in research was around loneliness um in like around that period and mm -hmm. kind of how that links to perinatal depression so for me i think that's really important um yeah so yeah i think my main advice is around that kind of thinking about kind of your yeah thinking about you as a, a kind of individual and your needs kind of your you know what your social support is um and I think the other thing, sorry, which I didn't say was that's also around that kind of feeling, the pressure of being a new mother. There's this kind of theory in psychology about being a good enough mother. And I think w people put a lot of pressure on themselves as parents to kind of 
get everything right, everything to be perfect. Even harder now, because social media, so many people are showing off like their perfect babies and their perfect motherhood. And it's kind of like, I'm not doing as well as she is. So it's like that big, it's like, like oh, I'm looking for help. But at the same time, I'm seeing people doing better than me. So it is a thing of like, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I think that's a really good point actually, because saying look look on there for support, but actually the first, you have to look quite hard to find the kind of real (laughs) support, like instead of that, the shiny, um, so you're actually right that's probably not for every, social media it probably isn't the best for everyone I it's a 50-50 yeah but yeah it can it can work but um, but yeah and it is just that it's like actually sometimes just being enough being good enough is fine and you know you're, you're your own worst critic you're you know true. Your, ba- your baby won't know if you <laughs> you know you've chosen exactly the right you know you haven't dressed them in the perfect outfit or you know you haven't you know you haven't gone to every single baby group going or you doing just enough for them is absolutely fine and just finding your feet people often say like don't leave the house for the first two weeks so i think that's this pressure to get out there doing stuff and it's it's really hard so kind of giving yourself time bedding into it um but at the same time you know having some contact with the outside world and having some support is really important yeah um so similar to that i guess mm-hmm. on the topic of uh Suicide is the most common cause of death during the first year of perinatal. So mm. the work you do is essential, sorry. Can you speak more on it? Yeah, of course. And yeah, I thank you for asking that because it is, it's caught sort of, it's a, it's a really tough topic and people often, you know, talking about suicide in young mums and pregnancy is really hard, but I don't think, I think it's not well known that suicide is one of the, is the leading cause of death. So in the year after birth, it's really surprising, but mm. unfortunately it is, it is the case. And it is obviously linked to the fact that, you know, mental health, these perinatal mental health problems do happen and they are common. Um, so basically there's, there's a report that gets published every year. Um, it's called the Embrace Report, um, where they look at the de- all deaths of women in pregnancy and in the first year, just to look at the causes um, mm. and try and think kind of, you know, you know, it shouldn't happen, but what is happening and why is it happening? And that's how we know that um, suicide is, is common. It, it happens in pregnancy, but particularly in the, in the postpartum year. Um, or that first year after birth. Um, and we also know that substance misuse is, uh, so so drug overdoses and alcohol use is a cause of kind of a number of deaths as well. So from a mental health perspective, we, we there's this kind of public health reason to think about mental health, try and support women because it does, it can lead to death, but it can also, you know, it's not just, a th- it can lead to impacts on these women's quality of life. It can impact on their, um, you know their relationships their relationship with baby as well it kind of impacts you know their ability to kind of interact with baby so um it's really important that we you know that we address women's mental health both to try and stop these deaths by suicide but also to try and improve people's lives um just to say as well on looking at kind of this report that show you know looks at deaths importantly as well um it has highlighted that deaths in that in that perinatal period are much higher in black women and women from ethnic minorities. Mm. So um, there's a really good campaign called Five Times More run by two women from the black community that it was called Five Times More because uh, when the, when they started it, the data showed that black women were five, five times, times more likely to die 
the more recent report, it's four times more likely, but it's still obviously, you know, it's it's still too high. Yeah, way too high. And I think that's why we have to think about mental health within that because um, mental health is a big cause of death during that period. Um, we know that uh, black and ethnic minority women are more likely to experience mental health problems. They're less likely to seek support in the community during this period. Mm. And when they do seek support, they're more likely to be hospitalized, go into hospital. So what we know is that, you know, there are things we can do in mental health that improve women black women and ethnic minority women's experiences that can hopefully address you know try and improve that unacceptable death rate and and unacceptable kind of um you know uh i guess experience of services um so i think that's that's kind of important thing that has come out of that report but that we need to think about and improve definitely is the advice and support different for young mums and single parents than they would be for parents that are married or yeah. parents that have both guardians the mother yeah. and the father and would they need extra support for for adjusting to motherhood yeah so i the advice probably it obviously depends it's different for every person but i think we know that both kind of young mothers so whether it's teenage or before the age 25 and single parents they have kind of worse outcomes for mental health um and they're face, you know, all these things that we talked about challenges for any parent, those mm. challenges I think are worse in those situations because you're less likely to probably have peers who are in the same situation just by nature of the fact there, you know, there are fewer people having babies at that at that point. So you're just, it's harder to find kind of your tribe, you know, mm. there, there are fewer uh, people that, so you've kind of got less social support. Um, you, uh, you know, have generally got less support perhaps because if, you know, if you don't have a partner that just makes it slightly harder um you know things like financial situation is probably just a little bit kind of less steady you've had less time to kind of maybe build up you know a, a, a kind of finite income um you might be in the education system and then that becomes a bit kind of more difficult to figure out kind of what you're going to do so and um we also know that young mums and single parents are more likely to experience domestic abuse as well so for lots of different reasons there are just all those challenges that are already there are just mm. kind of more you're facing more at that point so i think there's even more reason why you you know you would benefit from kind of social support or groups or but actually i think the provision is worse i think actually that th it's quite patchy um support uh, looking for support specifically for um, young mums and single parents it's things that are particularly designed for those people it is slightly patchy so I definitely think it's an area we need more research and there needs to be more provision um, but certainly it's something that um, if you're going to maternity services it will get flagged up so they will always in maternity service you know when you're seeing your midwife they will ask you if you've got a partner and it does get if it will get flagged up not in a bad way if you don't but often those services will have you know maybe special streams mm. or special advice for women who are you know who are single and similarly often there are actually kind of special um kind of clinics for example for younger mums or there'll be special mid midwives for younger mums um because they you know they do have unique challenges and they will know kind of how to refer to uh services that are there for them but i think i think it's an area that 
perhaps there does need to be more research and that there needs to be more provision because I was actually I was looking before I came I was trying to look for kind of charities that are out there that specifically support for example um like teenage moms or younger moms and there isn't there isn't a lot out there actually um and kind of existing charities so things like there's the National Childbirth um, Trust, so NCT. They do mention, you know, they'll have pages that mention younger mums and younger mums' experiences, but there's not much out there that's specifically kind of like really focused on this. So I think it's an area that needs kind of more investment and more yeah, research, definitely. definitely, yeah. So following from that, uh, the next question is, can you inform us of the services and classes that are available to support new parents during and post-pregnancy? I kind of, we kind of covered it a little bit, yeah. but if there's any... Yeah, you have to add. so just I did. I guess I didn't talk about antenatal classes. So, antenatal classes are classes that you can attend in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Lots of maternity services do their own kind of NHS ones that are usually free, and it might be like a day that you can go along to the hospital and they'll talk about things like. Often they're really focused on kind of preparing for birth, mm-hmm. um, probably rightly because I think that's a big anxiety in pregnancy. Is labor and I'm giving even birth. trying to think about it yeah. because of that specific section <laughs> yeah so. it, it, it's a massive um it, it's it's a huge thing and lots of women are and kind of talk about mental health so, you know for some women it's so um it's such a fear it is a phobia there is mm. a such a thing as phobia of childbirth um which is understandable because when we look at it on the television it's <laughs> screaming it's blood it's, it's you know yeah. it's and you know there are risks of associated with childbirth but thankfully in this country we have really good health you know and in the vast vast majority of cases babies are born safely and women are okay but you know there there can be complications and so and so it's really good that there's lots of education before that women know their choices um they know how to prepare they go into it kind of fully uh, aware so that's a big part of antenatal classes and i said nhs do some of those classes but you can lots of people also do private classes so i think i mentioned the national childbirth trust so people could talk about nct classes because they run these antenatal classes the thing about them is they are actually quite expensive so i think they and lots of women do or lots of family you know couples or women use them to kind of find um other women who are having babies around the same time to kind of make make kind of little friendship groups so you have your babies at a similar time you hang out afterwards but because they're very expensive I often I think that can you know for people, people. Who, exactly for people who can't afford it they're kind of almost kind of locked out of that a little mm. bit so luckily there is uh, there are NHS classes as well um that, that are free but there is a bit of a disparity there um but so that's one thing that's important kind of in preparing. Um, but after birth, there are, I think I mentioned a couple of times, there are kind of children's centres. So every local area will have a children's centre where you can go. They often do things like weighing clinics so you can go along and weigh baby, but they'll also run kind of mum and baby sessions. There'll be play groups and they can tell you about kind of play groups locally where you can go, you know, often for free to kind of hang out with other mums. Um, you know, again, there are lots of things like lots of like yoga centers now run kind of mum and baby yoga mm. uh, or, you know, singing classes, nursery run classes or reading classes with babies. So things like that are kind of good, you know, social support. Again, because I kind of focus more on the mental health side of things, mm. you know, if people are struggling from that perspective, usually the first port of call is the GP. Um, and actually the GP you see kind of at six or eight weeks for a check with baby anyway. 
Um, and it's also meant to be, so it's meant to be a check for baby, but it's also meant to be a check for the mum to make sure everything's okay and check in kind of emotion physically, but also emotionally and with their mental health. So the GP can also kind of, if you're you know struggling with your mental health at that point, suggest sources of support in the community. So there are kind of psychologists you know psychology services if you know you feel like you need someone to talk to at that point um but there are also specialist perinatal mental health services so that's a you know place that people like me so psychiatrists or mental health professionals will work um so if things are kind of feeling a bit worse and you need a bit of kind of specialist input they can offer things again psychological support support from um uh kind of social workers if needed support from psychiatrists or other doctors so they're there in the com- and, and they work in the community as well so they're a really important source of support and that people know about them and I mentioned the GP but you can actually often lots of these services you can refer yourself so it's worth kind of if you feel like you're struggling just googling kind of perinatal mental health perinatal mental health services just to see what's available locally as well so mental health can really take a toll when you're dealing with multiple births, such mm. as triplets and twins. If there's complications during pregnancy and after pregnancy, is there any support for parents going through that situation and how can they cope with that? Yeah, uh, and I, I, having having had, not had multiple births, but having had kind of recently, I've, I've had two children, I've got a three-year-old and a six-month-old, um, I honestly, the thought of having two at the same time, I I, I cannot imagine. So um, it's got its own very unique uh, challenges. Um, and I think anyway, multiple, when you're pregnant with multiples, like twins or triplets, there there can be more kind of physical health complications. You're more likely to have interventions like cesareans or whatever. So it's just a different experience. And, you know, there are different challenges. Um, usually, again, maternity services have their own um you know they're very experienced in dealing with it but they might you know they'll have their own uh, pathways for those um for those women and kind of have their own kind of sources of support as well things like antenatal classes often there might be um special kind of groups you know even in pregnancy where women can go and, and we'll be with other mums who are also having twins so they're kind of meeting other women who are in the same situation um and again, kind of those unique challenges, you know, it, it might be, they can still sub- seek support, you know, through perinatal mental health services or through the GP, you know, going, they, they will be able to refer them on. And I think, again, kind of online, online um, kind of sub- support through charities, places like National Childbirth Trust, um, they, and the NHS websites, they will have, you know, specific kind of support and advice for those. You also mentioned that kind of if people have um, difficulties or complications. Yeah. So, and I think I touched a little bit on childbirth and trauma. And I think that is a big thing we're beginning to think a bit more about. I think in the past it was just like, you have a difficult birth and that's just it, you know, stiff up a lip, you get on with it. But I think women who do have traumatic childbirth, you know, it, it can happen that it's very long or, um, you know, they've needed, you know, an emergency C-section, you know, cesarean, or it's just, or it's just been one of the kind of the biggest things that women say who, who say they've had a traumatic birth, often it's just that things were happening and it wasn't communicated to them, mm-hmm. or they expected one thing and something different happened. So 
it's not just one type of, but it's often about the woman's experience. If they felt it was traumatic and they felt out of control or they felt things were done to them without their permission, they can go away afterwards really feeling very traumatized. Um, and we're increasingly kind of recognizing that that can then affect their mental health going forward. So we talk about PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder is something often in the past people think about, you know, people have gone to war or things like that, but it's it's actually if you felt like your life is in danger, anything where you mm. felt like your life is in danger, so often women maybe might meet this criteria of PTSD after childbirth just because it was really frightening for them and they didn't know what was going on and, and um, with a very traumatic experience. So there, actually there are starting to be new services in the community that really focus on women who've who've experienced trauma so whether it's in childbirth or maybe even trauma in the past that's kind of almost been reawakened mm -hmm. by the experience of becoming a mother um so there are there are new services that are starting um to that have really only in the first one or two two or three years have started to kind of be set up to really help those women yeah. so it's good to know about them and again those ones that you could probably i think lots of them you can refer yourself uh, and it's lots it's usually talking therapy so it's um sitting down and talking to someone about your experience um uh can can help women but it's important just to be aware of that and that is another thing that kind of can affect women kind of after yeah. birth so mental health and pregnancy can affect the non-birthing parent too. What mental health issues have you seen in men and are they supported? Yeah, and again, another really good question. And I think it's another area that has been quite neglected and we're starting to have more awareness that actually it's an issue and we need to think about because we do see um, in, and often it's fathers, but you're right, we talk about the non-birthing partner because there can be, um, you know, all types of uh, partner. We see, you know, lesbian couples, uh, gay men, obviously becoming parents through adoption or surrogacy. Increasingly, trans men uh, will start to go through the pregnancy experience, and I think we're we're way behind even thinking about language and provision for that. So, mm. and we've been talking a lot about women and pregnancy and breastfeeding, but increasingly, we do need to think about kind of trans health, trans, um, you know. Uh, trans health issues in pregnancy and afterwards and using the right language so um so specifically thinking about perinatal mental health so we talk about perinatal depression certainly non-birthing partners can be diagnosed with perinatal depression postnatal depression mm -hmm. so fathers you know uh, female partners because Although sort of there are very specific biological changes for the woman, we've also talked about all the social changes that happen becoming a parent, and they happen to both parents, if mm. they're, you know, all parents. So, you know, the non-birthing partner will also have changes in their networks, their social structures, um, their, you know, just kind of, you know, they may have had trauma or difficulties in their own background, in their own parenting, and they get faced with it having their own child. So, yes, they, you know, absolutely, they can also experience these mental health difficulties that are very specific to becoming a new parent and we're only just really thinking about that now and the nhs has 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 actually said we need to think about that we need to start offering services so there aren't any at the moment not oh, well okay. i think starting to so mm -hmm. some perinatal mental health teams for example will be trying to offer support for partners as well we'll offer say psychology sessions maybe with partners but not all of them off not all of them will accept referrals specifically for the non-birthing partners. I think it's very variable around mm -hmm. the country. Um, there are um, again online 
there are some online support groups. If you look, I think, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's, I, th I think there's postnatal fathers or something that if you, if you look online, you can find, but it, it, again, it's quite patchy. Mm. Um, there was something I found, and this obviously touches on LGBT, TQI uh, plus issues of parenting. Mm -hmm. There's uh, Pink Parents, I think, is an online um, website that kind of addresses parenting needs in that community. But again, we're really behind the curve, I think, and it's it's becoming an area where there's more research and more thought about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely think there needs to be more provision because because these issues, mental health issues, do support the non-birthing, uh, affect the non-birthing par partner as well, parent. And there are lots of different kind of parenting systems, and you know. Mm. Um, I think increasingly we can think about, you know, uh, you know, the network around the baby uh, with different parents, different kind of, you know, grandparents are hugely involved, communities, you know, people in the community. It takes a village to raise a child, is that what they say? Exactly, yeah. exactly, <laughs> completely. So, um, and we're kind of, I think we're stuck a little bit in that quite kind of heteronormative mum dad kind of mm. system in the NHS, which is important because it serves some people, but it doesn't serve everyone oh, yeah. and we need to think about how we can be more inclusive thank you so much for joining us today dr kate adlington on women's perinatal mental health thank you so much for having me thank you guys for watching and if you found this interesting we have two more episodes coming out on mental health too so please tune in and thank you for coming to see us at opod bye <laughs> <laughs>